Hi, I'm Rod Murray, host of State of the Game, and you're listening to Feed the Ball with Derek Duncan on the Talkin' Golf Network. Visit www.talkandgolf.com for more quality golf podcasts. Hello, this is Derek Duncan. We're back with episode 50 of the Feed the Ball podcast. And for this episode, I have two guests. I'm speaking with Dave Axland and Rod Whitman. To those that know him, it might seem kind of ironic that one of the few repeat guests on this podcast is Rod Whitman, a masterful architect and builder, the creator of courses like Cabot Links and Wolf Creek in Canada, but also a man of notoriously few words. That aspect changes, however, when he gets together with another legend of the profession, his old friend Dave Axland. Axland, of course, has been the driving force behind the core Crenshaw architectural operation since he began working for them at Kapalua Plantation in Hawaii, followed by the job at Sandhills. He's known throughout the industry as one of the profession's most skilled shapers and is arguably the game's most admired on-site project directors, who led the teams that built Talking Stick, Friar's Head, Old Sandwich, Barnbooga Lost Farm, and so many other landmark core Crenshaw courses. Axland has also built a number of courses with partner Dan Proctor, including the new Old Tocoa Farm in North Georgia, under the Bunker Hill label, and he's currently orchestrating his own renovation and restoration projects at a number of historic clubs across the country. Over the course of his career, Axland has spent considerable time assisting Whitman on several original designs, including Cabot Links in northern Nova Scotia. The team is back together this summer to construct a new short course for the resort, and it's there, where they're on site at Cabot, that Rod and Dave took time out to join me on this podcast. I got to know Dave while writing a profile on him for Volume 2 of McKellar Magazine. If you haven't yet, please go to mckellar.com and order the journal. It's more important now than ever to support quality independent journalism, hell, real journalism of any sort, and McKellar has become one of the most remarkable showcases of today's finest golf writing, and it's all free of ads, so please give it a look. It was a great treat to catch up again, not just with Dave, but with Rod too. As I mentioned, Rod was my guest on Feed the Ball episode 9, where we talked for over an hour about him, his courses and career, Bill Coor and Pete Dye, and so many other topics. You can find that episode at feedtheball.com, on iTunes, Spotify, and elsewhere. It's a rare occasion, maybe the first, that these two men of mystery and two of golf's greatest course builders get together to share stories from the road and to talk publicly about their work. So enjoy listening to Dave Axland and the great wit, Rod Whitman. Well, you guys are back together now, so is it? I let's get one thing out of the way. So, on the new job, is it Axland Whitman or Whitman Axland? What's it gonna? What's oh, the, no, it's, it's Whitman Axland. <laughs> it's like a '70s band, like the Whit, Whitman <laughs> well, Axland Overdrive. There's a, I guess there's a little bit of the bringing the band back together theme here since we started out in 2009. Yeah. Well, I'm Even imagining, Scott, you know, Keith that, Cutton was part of the team. And he's back too, right? He's he's up he's there. He's back with us. too. Yeah. So I'm imagining that that this go round is a little bit different than the last time, and your overall working experience is is maybe a little bit more favorable than back in 2009 when you did it the first time. I don't know if it's more favorable or not. I mean, it's all good, and uh, I think we're trying to work a little bit closer, talking about what we want to do design-wise as a team, right? And, uh, yeah, just just trying to come up with good golf. 
Well, I know you guys have been back to Cabot many times over the years, but when you first started the, to develop that site, I know the it was a, it was a difficult build. Dave, you mentioned it to me that you know first of all, like you didn't have a, a beautiful lodge to stay in. You know, getting a getting a bite to eat might have been a challenge. The weather might not have been great. It was a difficult situation, and now you're back and it's completely developed and it's a it's a different town. That's true. We as we drive through town, we see the the positive effects of of the the golf course on the community with with restaurants and lodging and a lot of people walking around town that work for the work for the resort so it it is there's a there's a there's a different feeling than 2008 when we first got started that was our first site was was tough we we were working on top of a a reclaimed mine area <laughs> is there should we say that? yeah, that's right that's right well that's fair and so we just we just didn't you know it'd been capped and we could not get below that and so uh you get the the routing that rod did on that just made it work for sure well, i'd like to talk about the short course in a minute but let's go back to the beginning of you the relationship between the two of you you guys have known each other for a, a long time Tell me about uh, the first time you guys met. What was the situation, and, and where were you? Uh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Too long ago. I, I actually think Dan, because Dan and Rod, Dan Proctor, yeah, and Rod knew each other going all the way back to the early days working with Bill Coor at Waterwood National. That then I met Dan first and. And Dan may have asked me to come up to Wolf Creek and help. I I first met Rod at Wolf Creek in Alberta, probably 25 years ago. What, so yeah. was this the first Wolf Creek course? Uh, I don't know if it was the first or the third nine. The third third nine. We did the third. We did a you know the, what we call now the old course there, and yeah. I know that Dave came up and worked on bunkers on the. On the third nine that we did, and then uh, we did a, a fourth nine to complete the 18, and Dave came up and worked on bunkers again. So, uh, and then somehow I think we knew each other down there when you had your job with uh, Bill at uh, King's Crossing. Yeah. So we might have met up yeah. there too a little bit, but I don't know if we knew each other very well at that point. We looked at that. We looked at that piece of ground for Sam Houston State. Yeah, we did. I mean, that was all. Uh, that was all in there. And I don't know what the years are, but uh, yeah, we've known each other for a long time. Dave's worked for me. I've worked for him. We've just we've just been going along here for thirty some years. Well, what was the what influenced you, Rod, to pick up the phone and call Dave to come help you with the bunkers at Wolf Creek? Well, he just he just he came up there with Dan Proctor and and they were. Uh, I said, well, would you like to go to work? And they said, sure. <laughs> it was just that simple. I didn't pick up the phone. They they were coming up there to visit. And He's like, you're standing around. Here, and get to work. They're golf course people, so I mean, if they get a chance to do something for somebody, they just did it. If you're, It's like if you're there, you're there to work. Yeah, they just wanted to have some fun. And, you know, building golf courses is partly fun, too. It's not all work. So. <laughs> so 
back when you guys were just getting into the business, it, it's things have changed so now in golf course architecture. I mean, there's been a seismic shift in the way the consumer and the magazines and the rankings look at look at everything. It wasn't. It was a very different landscape in the 1980s when you guys were coming up and were, when you first met each other. It was the the heyday of of Robert Trent Jones was on a on the way out, kind of I guess. But his sons, Nicholas Designs, Fazio. Did you guys? Uh, ever feel like the type of work that you were interested in doing with Bill and, and Rod, you were with Pete, who was also kind of an outsider, even though he was mainstream. Um, did you ever feel like you, you were sort of like a band of outsiders or like what you were doing in golf course design was somewhat rebellious? You know, I, I guess there was, because of my training, it was through that family tree. Pete died to Bill Coor, you know, Rod, Dan, I never, I guess I never, I never knew the other way. I was aware of it. And I guess the only thing that I ever was aware of was that there was that, you know, there was the other kind of the other way of doing things that included a lot more office work, office design work and paper plans. And that they did, a, the volume was a lot higher with those other types of outfits. We were just so field oriented, but I, I never really knew another way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd call it rebellious. I just, you know, when you were working for Bill and then working for Pete Dye, I mean, he just, he had his own way and that's just, that, that was the way. And, and, and certainly other people have gone to work for him, uh, have all sort of adopted his methodology in some form. So, you know, that was just a trend back then to, to do a little bit more design build. That doesn't mean you get, you know, you still have other contractors and everybody help out. But uh, at least for us, we were just following the trend that Pete set in some ways. And, you know, Pete Dye gets a lot of attention for all the people that he's brought into the business, you know, going back to, to Bill, really, and any before that, and then and you, Rod, and, and many others. It's been well documented. Um, Bill's kind of going to he's not going to retire but but in his you know his legacy will also be to bring a lot of people into the business as well that tree th- from pete die gets stronger really when it goes through bill core now a lot of the people that he's mentored and brought into the business and worked with uh just because of the economy and the way golf development's gone it isn't they're not going to maybe always have sort of solo careers and be as well known as some of the guys that pete brought up but you know, Bill is just as important architecturally from a historical standpoint as Pete died. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have fathers and grandfathers and then great grandfathers. So we're all, we're all part of that legacy, I guess, but certainly, uh, you know, Bill's had enough work where, where he's, he's had the opportunity to train a lot of different people. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at, I mean, I just was, you know, he's been such a, a vital component of so many people's lives and touched so many people. And you guys that know him, you, know, really, you two really know him almost as good as, as anybody. He has. And, you know, the effects continue to spread. You know, I got a call from a guy yesterday about he talked to Bill about doing work in Dallas and he was going to work with a guy, another person, Jeff Bradley in Dallas. Yeah. And Jeff is going to work with 
Zach Vardy in Phoenix, and Zach worked with Bill Coor. In other words, you could just go on and on about how far out that, that those effects go and continue to spread. Just kind of continuing on that on that thought about influence. Now, you know, art trends and and any kind of like major social movements usually don't announce themselves immediately. They kind of start uh, underground or quietly, and then they build momentum. And that's where I was going with that question about the you know the two of you and getting your start uh, with Bill and Ben and Pete Dye and kind of this this movement that you were part of this design build style of golf, this the naturalism that you espoused. Um, I I know I don't think since I know each of you a little bit, I, I don't know that either of one of you um, are ready to think sort of like historically um, about your own careers, but are you aware at any, at any level of the influence that, that you guys have had on the entire field of architecture? Like we said, we went from a, one style of, you know, the guy in, in the tie and the loafers walking around a, a job site with a roll of paper under his arm to, an entire movement that's kind of directed the way that golf design and architecture has gone over the last 30 years to the point where some of the, uh, you know, the, the bunker work, Dave, that you were doing started at Sandhills and, and Rod, like your, your shaping and the evocative shapes and working with the land and the contouring has, has almost become mainstream now. And when, when young people get into the design game, that's, what they want to do. Even people that have been doing it for 30 years have adopted that style. I mean, are you aware of the the legacy that you guys have helped influence in golf course design? Oh, I'm trying to make you uncomfortable right now and get you to well, talk about yourself. This way, I don't believe our heads are too big for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we just have a, a way of doing things. And, and part of the fun of golf course architecture is certainly creating shapes and and, and, and and manufacturing contour or taking what the land gives you and, and using that. So between those two things, that's I think we're we're really good at that and uh, if others want to emulate us, that's fine. It is it is rewarding when you when things do come full circle and you know like here when we first started Cabot Links Keith Cutton was on the crew and dug his first bunker and now Rod and him are partnering up on some work and then now he's out here where he, it does make you feel good and we're just part of the the process we're, we're not we're the evolution of the the whole thing we're we're in we're in there <laughs> but not yeah, big, I had a I feel like that that yeah. question was going to uh, invoke your <laughs> your reluctance to talk about yourself. But let's talk about let's talk about um, <laughs> the project you're working on now at, at Cabot. This must be a, a, a pretty exciting project for you guys to, to dig your dig your heels into. Uh, first of all, what part of the property is it on? Where where's this golf course going to be? Well, it's it's if if you were at the second course, Cabot Cliffs, and almost straight above the club campus you would you would be on it there's an irrigation lake up there and then as you look west southwest to the gulf of st lawrence you see cabot cliffs maybe the 18th and first and 10th holes and and then and then you see water and so it's looking right out there it's a it's a beautiful beautiful view and Wonderful site. 
And is it all par three holes? How many holes? It's all par three holes. And, you know, it's just, it's a short course. And, uh, you know, we routed 10 holes in there on that property. And, you know, I, it's a it's a good piece of land in in some ways and and uh, you know we're just it's exciting to try to build a par three course that'll measure up to some of the other ones that have been done lately you know the, they've done them abandoned dunes and Pinehurst and et cetera so we're we want to do a par three course here that measures up to any in the world and that, you know that's the that's the one goal. of the things about these short courses that's so interesting and so fun is is that it seems like um the architects can really embrace their for lack of a better word their wild side because there are no restrictions you know you're not trying to do anything that's a regulation 18 holds there's no preconceived notions you don't have to fit a certain amount of par fours and par fives in it's just it is what it is it's whatever the land makes available and then it's it's whatever your imagination has do you do you feel a, a sense of liberation designing like these little short holes that can really just be anything that you can imagine yeah i guess so a little bit uh at the same time i mean we wanted to play like real golf i mean but you know we always try to make sure that there's some ground game in there and then you know Absolutely, I think we could get a little carried away, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you know, I want people to go back and say, "Man, that par three, that was that was that was hard. That was good. I mean, that was fun." Uh-huh. And so, that being said, we're we're trying to mix all those elements. I would think. Yeah, and the since the golf is so close together, you know, you you may have ten greens on ten acres. You, you stay open-minded, and when you when you look around, you might see other options. It was like we were standing on the back tee on 10 last, I guess, a couple of days ago, and we looked at, instead of looking straight down 10, we looked at 2, and we thought, well, I guess the back right pin on 2 could be a place to play golf to, and then you could walk to the middle tee on 10. You know, just fun stuff like that as you – as you continue to look around, especially when you get a a few flag sticks in the green sites, you start to see where things are, how how many things you can see from one spot. Is the is that a sandy part of the site? Is that is that a is sand a necessary component to do one of these courses correctly? Uh, correctly is not the right word. We're just <laughs> we're going to shape a golf course in there, and it. It's it's not the sandiest part of the site, that's for sure. But uh, we will be capping it with some sand, so hopefully, in the end, it'll it'll blend in with everything else. We've got we have access to the the same good sand pit that we had, so we should be able to get it get it all capped with sand. I just love the idea of these par three courses, these short courses, these non traditional, non eighteen little things that you find at these resorts, the sandbox, you mentioned the cradle, this, this place. And because I think one thing that it does is it does two things. Most people play them either like maybe when they first get to the resort, maybe they get in late in the day and they don't have time for a full round. So they're playing late, they play early, but they're playing it at a time when they're in a really good mood. Maybe they're just squeezing in an extra 10 after 36 holes, you know, and the sun's going down and, you know, they're about to have a, have a drink or, or dinner. So they're in a really good mood and it, it, and it, it frees up their mind about what golf can be. And I'm sure, you know, you've seen it in other courses and, and 
Rod, you just mentioned the ground contour, like place like the cradler, the sandbox, you can putt it off the tee and see if you can hit the putter 85 yards onto the green. And it just helps people look and view golf in a different way than they're used to. And I think that's really powerful, you know, kind of going forward into the future when not everything, you know, needs to be, you know, 18 holes, 7,200 yards. The more that we can break that idea of what golf is, the, the better the game will be. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I mean, I think it's just it's just something fun for people to do with their buddies, and, and you know, it'd also be a great place for juniors and ladies and, and other people who just aren't up for the for the sterner tests out here. So, so something else that helps that too is if you just have an irrigation line loop go around the whole course, you're going to have turf connecting the whole course, and and so. You don't have – you can have flattish areas that you can call a tee or just turf. And we looked at a place this morning on number one that <clears throat> wasn't exactly set out to be, you know, quote-unquote tee, but you could walk right up to it, maybe 85 yards from the first green, and you could just – it would be along the, the main line or the, the center row irrigation with good turf one high to cut and you can just you could putt it just like you yeah. just said Derek 85 yards you could putt it 85 yards yeah yeah that might be about as far as you can hit it <laughs> in the last three days yeah you're you're using your putter most of the time <laughs> the correlation to that is is this idea maybe of, of taking like you know thinking about like what golf you know needs to be to entice more people to play we know we hear all the reasons why you know people are leaving the game but if what is the prospect and i'm asking you guys two guys who who are masters at the craft of building golf courses what is the what is the possibility of taking this idea that right now really only exists in these like resort destinations and importing that into a, a municipality or a locality what what would you need to have something like this work in an urban setting a place where like you know all kinds of people could have access to it you know we when we, that when we did that our our uh, article or interview before I talked about right. we links yeah, outside of Kansas City uh-huh. Kansas yeah and like Jeff Bury has act, he's the owner of Twin Oaks Range there in Eudora his we links is on, on 1.5 acres and it's got six holes and it's just amazing how popular it is I think it's a five dollars for the day and they can play out there all day and. So it doesn't take that much ground to to for that for that to occur, or what we have is probably closer to ten acres. But I think it's you know, especially if, if the infrastructure is already there, like at a driving range like Twin Oaks, irrigation's there, everything's there. You just have to add a loop, and you've got this really neat. Fun place to play. The kids love it. I think I think Jeff had forty hole in ones oh, wow. last year. Every kid that had a hole in one got a little T shirt. Uh, you can play it with I think snag golf, low flight balls, and a and a regulation ball. I think I think he said even Gary Woodland went out there and played. I think he I think Gary went to school in Lawrence, Kansas. But anyway. Fun golf like that is certainly yeah. 
what happens. And it's fast. You could you play wee links in 10 minutes, probably play the short course here in less than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess to get all those kind of low running shots, the the putter that we're talking about off the tee, you would you would need you know a certain type of turf and a certain type of soil to be conducive to that. Well, a little bit. I mean, you know, the municipalities that have got par three courses, I mean, they they probably just haven't been promoted that well, and maybe the product isn't that good. But I think if you, it's not like these are new. There's been par three courses around for a long time but i think just like just like the whole business if the product is just a little better done or or built just a little bit better in some ways that uh that could attract the the people that you know to go out there and have something have a little more fun so i imagine that this is like i said i'm imagining this is like not only fun to build a, a little course like this uh, but also good for you guys to be back together again. I know you probably like to get together on jobs like this as, as much as possible. You've known each other for a long time. You, we already talked about you both kind of come from this uh, similar uh, architectural and design lineages. You share some some DNA and the things that, that you like and, and that turn you on and, and the goals you have when you build. I'm curious, though, like wh- where do you guys differ I remember Dan Proctor said to me, Dave, that you know when you guys work together, he has a tendency to kind of maybe tend toward a little bit more extreme sh- features, you know, maybe a little bit more extreme than than, than you would do. What's the where do uh, Rod and, and you, Dave? Where do you disagree? Where do you differ? Where do your where do your uh, deepest discussions occur? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think like this collaboration right here, I. I was here for 10 days with Keith Cutton and then Rod showed up two days ago and, and we just worked together enough to know where I felt like I knew what to do insofar as how far to take something so that, and Keith and I take something like we would build pads and get puzzle pieces in place, but not lock us into anything so that Rod could look at things with fresh eyes and, you know, just there's no pressure to feel like, well, boy, these guys just, they spent their whole time on one hole because they think it's finished. We, the answer, I guess, is I think we know how to work together to where we can get the most out of each other's skill set. And Rod, most people have a tendency to be a little more severe than me. (laughs) that's because I usually come in a little early and maybe just try to get some rough shapes in place because I, I, I don't think we really have any differences. I mean, I'd like to say that there was just for a more exciting answer, but we're, we're, we haven't hit that wall yet, but, uh, and you know, everybody's, you know, got different ideas and sort of, you sort of work towards, what you think may work and you know if somebody really feels strongly about something you just let them run with it yeah i think like the first and second holes here is a good example like before rod got here we roughed in a a a pad and or a, a couple of greens just real rough and the first green had a bunker left of it and i i roughed in the right side of it without a bunker 
And then on the second hole, there were no bunkers, but strong contour. And Rod looked at it and said, you know, maybe, maybe this first hole could use a little bit more bunkering. And he suggested a couple on the right side. And I thought that was a great idea. And, and we'll try that. And if it, if it feels good, we'll stick with it. And then he looked at two with the strong contours and, which, which I was pretty excited about trying to do a, a bunkerless hole that was all about contour. He really liked that. And yeah, then we, as we went through the site, we, it just works like that, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Dave, imagine that it's gratifying for you to be able to, to do some of this, as you, as we talked about before getting back on, on machinery and, and doing shaping and being creative is, is that, is, are you back in the swing of that? Yeah. Yeah. This has been, a, this has been a blast. Uh, it was interesting too. I, I was wondering why it was so much, I mean, it was, it was so much fun and I, it's been a while since I've worked with raw ground. I, I think, you know, been a lot of renovation work and rest, right. restoration and renewal work. And now you are out here feeling a little bit more kid-like and you, you want to recapture that sense of wonder a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we tease and say that, well, before we knew so much, some of our work was even better. <laughs> so, so you do. What, have do you, that. what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? You were unencumbered by experience. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so now, now you you sort of have like a, a, a sort of like a self check or a governor on on your ideas. You you are more aware of of maybe pushing something too far. Well, actually, we're more aware of how we have to avoid that. Like you, it's just a thought. Yeah, when when you first start out, you you just maybe you're not quite as I don't know what you just said, Rod. You said it well, but, but now you have that. You just make sure you have a good sense of wonder and and on this par three course here, and have a lot of fun. I think the key is to maybe if we're having a lot of fun, then the golf is fun. And I, not that you were doing this when you were young or conscious of it, but I'm sure there's an element when you're beginning your career, anybody's beginning their career. You know, you you kind of want to show off. You kind of want to show what you can do. You want to test yourself test your ideas whereas if you get if you've had the experience that you two have had i don't maybe that urge has vanished yeah perhaps a little bit you know you do have to tone yourself back i mean if you speed too much you're going to end up in the ditch so we'll we'll stay i'll try to stay out of the ditches <laughs> you know that's yeah. uh it's a, it's just a creative process and uh you know i think we both are fresh enough and even though we've been working in the business a long time we can we can experiment a little bit between the two of us. I think it's all going to work out. Yeah. So, you know, Dave, you've, you've worked on, and Rod, you as well, especially with Cabot, but some of the, the greatest golf sites that have been developed in the last, you know, 70 years or, or however long you want to term that, that period, um, you know, including, you know, Sandhills, obviously, Friars Head, uh, Barn Boogle, Lost Farm, you know, the, 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 some of these greatest sites that are so special. And I know this may be tough for you to answer, but were you able to, at that time to sort of just enjoy the experience of, of being on these historic sites, or were, were you too busy working to really appreciate uh, the development of these special places? Yeah, a little of both. 
I mean, you just you didn't sit around there and just just. Yeah, I mean, right they were. No, you just. I mean, it, you know, these were tough sites too. In other words, from the state. I mean, the golf aside, to build golf in the Sand Hills region of Nebraska with the wind blowing fifty miles an hour and sand. You know, one of your goals. You know, yeah, I'm sure you're thinking about how nice the golf could be, but most of the time you're thinking about things like stabilizing soil. <laughs> and I mean, there's a, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. I think I, I certainly appreciate it more and more as you look back and you're not just in the blood and guts of construction. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, those are sand hills with a tough job in many ways. Uh, and extremely rewarding and, and all that, uh, in, in so many other ways, but yeah, right when you're doing it, a lot of times you're just yeah, you're not yeah. you're just trying to get it done. And it's it's the, the irony is that everybody who goes to Sand Hills and plays it or goes to whatever the golf course is, Bandon, they're there a hundred percent to have fun. I mean, they're looking forward to it. They can't wait to get there. They're thinking about it. They're dreaming about it. They're enjoying themselves. And that's not the experience that you ever get. I mean, you could go back and play these courses, but when you were building them, it's it wasn't it wasn't uh, approached with the same level of excitement, you know, and unbridled enthusiasm that the consumer gets to enjoy. There's the it's the sort of the the, the paradox of of what you do. That's right. Like the most rewarding part of of well, not the most rewarding, but going back and walking Cabot Links about five days ago and then Cabot Cliffs also you talk about bringing back some memories and and it also makes you evaluate how much power you put into these things I mean it wasn't but nine years ago that we started Cabot Links I feel like I feel like it was about 29. I mean, <laughs> those were like, if that was nine years ago, I, the power required on that one was times two. <laughs> you you left something on, on the field there. Yeah, in, in a good way. You, it, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a piece of you. I mean, literally, a, like a part of your of your expression, of your being, and everything that you design. Every, think about every idea, you know, every idea you have, you know, you can see it on a green contour or a bunker shape. I mean, that's literally your what you leave behind. Well, that's what Rod and I were talking about. There's a yeah, the effort, the effort there at Cabot Links was large, yes. <laughs> and, and worth every bit of it. We just we we have enjoyed kind of going back and thinking about where we first started there. Yeah. Another course you worked on together it was Friar's Head. Um, I, I, Rod, I know you spent a lot of time there. Dave, that was one of your babies as well. I don't know if anybody will follow me along this line of, of belief, but I, I kind of think, and I've said before on this podcast and elsewhere, that in maybe 50 years' time, we may all look back and start to rate Friar's Head 
ahead of sand hills. And the reason I say that is obviously it's a, it's a great golf course that can hold its own on Long Island. If you can hold your own on Long Island with National and Shinnecock and Garden City and the Creek and other places, you've done something special. Um, but Sandhills was so revolutionary and, and such a game changer that we kind of afford it, aside from its excellence, a special place in architectural history. But as a, just sort of as a pure golf course, once that, you know, kind of another generation comes through and that's not as valued because, you know, everybody's still living who is involved in Sandhills. Once that sort of turns over, Friars Head, in my, I'm predicting that it, it may be viewed just as highly as sand hills what was that like for for you guys working on that is that a, is that a feeling that that you get is that is there enough d you know dna in friar's head to elevate it to that level in your minds i don't know i just don't know i just i, I don't think so i mean i it's just it was a great golf course to work on for me and uh you know anytime i can work with, with bill and ben and dave i mean it was uh it's just it was fun to do, and you're always trying to learn things. You know, I mean, I, I always feel like we're we're learning too from some of the best in the business. So, uh, you know, how these golf courses turn out history wise, that's up to other people to decide. We're just we're just glad to be part of all of that. That was a pretty unique experience, though, to build that. I mean, it's such a, it's a it's an interesting property. You have some of the the best land, and then you had some of the some some land that quite frankly wasn't <laughs> as good as the other part of the property yeah, no there's no question i mean you try to make it all blend in but that was uh you know part of the fun of construction and and uh and making it all seamless in some ways so uh you know to bill and ben's credit they they have guys like us help them do that but but at the, you know in the end they they decide on on what they like and what they want to keep and what they want to change. So we're we're just part of that process. Mm-hmm. We'd well, like the you know some of the what might have been called not quite such as good a property actually may have lended itself to making the the entire golf course better just because of the variety. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Rod. Rod worked on the second hole, for example. Remember that? The yeah. par five coming down the hill. The second hole as it comes down the hill broke out into the quieter potato fields, and yet it it got more contouring to help connect the the dunes to the quieter ground. And so we, I almost say the quiet ground complemented the the heavier contours when it was all said and done, it got pretty damn good balance. Yeah. Yeah. Or darn. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the Bill and Ben approach golf course design. I almost, I view it almost from like a, like religiously, not in a, not in a, a God or a Christian way, but almost like with such utmost respect for, for the dignity of the land, you know, and uh, they would, they want to, take what what's there and you're included in this too dave take what's there and accentuate it and try to leave as much alone as possible i mean that they've they've said that bill said that you know this you've said this you know that's and you just said it before you know you 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 probably you know are working under what other people would do as far as you know the the shapes and and the, the features was friars had a unique experience in that it did take so much more i i don't want i guess manipulation for lack of a better word to make that golf course work 
another way, or you, and also like, was that maybe one of the projects that required the most hand of man to make work? I think, I think, yeah, there's, there's something to be said there. I think that we, uh, I know that one of a really useful tool there was piles. We, you know, we had a couple of off-road trucks and then when we started, you know, just sometimes it was random, random things, stripping topsoil that we thought we might haul away might actually look like a nice ridge and we left it. There was, I think I was, one of the keys to making Friars Head work was the amount of sight time that Bill and Ben spent out there. And they would see kind of, they would see random acts of, of things that, that actually helped the final product, uh, once again, like spreading top or uh, stripping topsoil and having a, a big windrow that may have inspired something. Or I remember putting a bunch of soil behind two green and off-road trucks, just, you know, quite a few of them. And then Bill coming up to me and saying, did you plan that? You know, and I, <laughs> I Scrooge had an old saying, he said, well, do you like it? And if he did, you'd say, yeah, I did, but I didn't. But that pile kind of helped framed in that that second shot. And so, you know, Chichesi, I mean, Talking Stick was a huge, you know, that is that the one we altered the most? I, I don't know, but there's also, there might be a little misperception. In other words, we we move enough dirt so that at times it, it, it doesn't look like we've moved any. We move enough dirt to make a site drain and to make the features bold and challenging. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's sure. Yeah. Is is Sandhills uh, the most hands off golf course? that you've uh you guys have done that as, as much as it's reputed to be i'd say yes 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 and i didn't work there that's fair to say yeah the they worked so hard on that routing there were just two or three places that needed some massaging to yeah that's right a, that's a yes We'll start. We'll start wrapping up here, guys. I know. I know you're anxious to get back out on the on the golf course now that you've got some good weather. But um, I listened to Bill Core on a, a podcast recently, and he was asked a question, and his answer was about how he likes to go to a, a site, and the goal is to not have any preconceived notions, to to not have any ideas about what the golf course should be before you get there and spend time with the land. And he attributed a quote to you, Rod, he uh, about this very thing about not seeing he said that, that you had a saying that says i look but i do not see uh, is that how i'm wondering like, how is that possible to not like have something in your mind when you approach a project even if it's a little thing i mean is that is, is that's a skill on its own is to be completely neutral and to be able to to literally just obey you know or follow what the land gives you can you comment on that well, I think, I mean, in, in Bill's case, at least, in, in, in some ways, I mean, you just, you have some some great sites to work with, and uh, 
and you go up there and you actually look to see if you can, if something just stares at you and says, here's a golf hole. And then, so, so that's part of it. She's so, and then on sites that don't have great existing contour, you, you have to take whatever's there, whether it be a hill or a hole and, and see which way you can work around it or, or, or whatever, or what you need to do to manufacture things. So, um, you know, working with the land is very important, but you know, it all depends on the site too, and 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 what you got to do to make the golf work. You know, there's a, a, you hear I hear a lot uh, about, for instance, like when Tom and Jim Urbina did Old McDonald, they went into it with a theme. Uh, they want to do uh, McDonald style holes on that landscape. Uh, Gil Hans recently said, I believe, unless I'm wrong, but I think he said on this, the new PGA course in Texas that he's going to try to do a, a Perry Maxwell approach to it, which I know is close to your heart, Dave. Yeah. Um, you know, you also hear people saying they want to do a Rainer style. Uh, is this is is that type of approach? So is that type of approach just anathema? You know, is that just against what you guys are, are interested in doing, or could you envision a, if you got a new project ever trying to, you know, approach it differently than we've, we've just been talking about where the, uh, I look, but I don't see approach. No, I think, I think definitely there are times when you, I mean, for me, you, you're, you think about what you've seen and you learn from it and you're inspired by it. I know that to Chessie, which that site, you know, ranged in elevation from, I think, seven feet above high mean tide to maybe 15 feet. You know, we we studied uh, Yeamans Hall and Charleston Country Club and thought about Seth Rayner puzzle piece types of, of features and, and uh, set out with that in mind as an inspiration, not you know, just there's a there's a way to to get started on that. So, in some cases, yes, I imagine it's it's impossible. You get to a point where you know you you have to go into you know your your bank of knowledge and memory and, and understanding of golf to draw upon other in, sources of guidance. Yeah, I think. I mean, my tendency might be if you get on a. <laughs> this is just me. If, if you get on a, a green site that's pretty severe, transitions, I, I've always just loved the, the way Perry Maxwell transitioned throughout his green, not with hard decks and, and sharp ridges, but with individual you know, contours or a, a mound, Maxwell mounds, I think so I've heard somebody say, and off of those branching in two or three directions or different levels or somehow you prop up a green with a, a hill like it's not just a it doesn't look like a it doesn't look like it's just been pounded in as a ridge or a bank but it's more of a hill that props up a level that leads to another level so that might be the, the best answer I've got is I'll I do think about it. I think we we have to think about other work at times. It's, yeah, certainly it's, so. But you know, I think the main thing is just to raise your level of artistry that competes with all those people, and then and maybe in some cases even better. I mean, I I played, you know, 
Perry Maxwell greens back in years ago, and, and one of the goals was to build a green as good as Perry Maxwell might. And so for me, you're not trying to copy him as much as just raise your own artistic level to, to match up with uh, the, best in the, the best in the world. Okay, a question for each of you now. Dave, I'll start with you. What's the most strategically interesting golf hole you've designed or you've had a part in constructing? Strategically interesting. Well, that's yeah. well, that's a tough one to answer quickly. I'll, but I'll just I'll say that at Wild Horse. And this is not an this design concept is not an original thought. I don't know if there's any of those left. Yeah, but the the uh, the fifteenth hole of Wild Horse, which has a green set on a hard left to right angle with a bunker in front of it, which makes your approach into that green from the left so much better. Almost you almost have to be left, and yet to challenge the left line of play, you've got bunkers on an angle right to left so the further you carry it left the better your angle is into the green uh interesting yeah it's interesting and it's it's fun and it's a time tested proven design concept and and uh it's it's a it's a it's a fun hole to play and and yeah and if you if you hit your drive right you want to try to carry the front bunker into a shallow green, or you just want to hit your second shot just short left and just try to two putt. And it's not a long hole. It's, it's not over 400 yards. It's a, but right. That's one that just first comes to mind. And I, I remember that, you know, that same concept is on the par five 15 at Sand Hills. Uh, a lot of what we do is, mm. I think, re- remembering that most of the – it's how you apply what's what's been time-tested and the artistry that Rob talked about. You know, you're, you're inspired by what you've seen, and you hopefully you can match up. I was hoping you'd say Wild Horse. Uh, what, a, what a great course, and there, that – Every hole there out, out there is packed with strategy, as is Cabot Links. I wonder if you'll go with Cabot Links, Rod. You don't have to, but, I mean, talk about, you know, strategy and uh, just making people make decisions. What What's your answer to that question? Oh, I just don't know if I have a good answer for that question. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, there's there's just a lot of good holes at Cabot Links, and, and uh, you know, I think – when we were out there, I mean, we were trying to do ground game golf on on, on some of them holes. So you take, you can go to number one, number two, number three. They all lend themselves to to, to ground game golf, and and so the long answer is or short answer is just that you know there's a lot of holes at Cabot Cabot Links that that I'm proud of and Dave's proud of, and and you know. The contours out there make the strategy. What you want to do, you don't have to hit it through the air if you don't want to. If you want to roll along the ground, there's lots of ways to get into a lot of different holes. 
so so the 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 hole is not a hole; it's a course. The entire course of Cabot Links. I like it. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, it is, it's, and that's what yeah. it's got to be. I mean, there's I can't name a favorite. I just I like them all. Last one, guys. Um, a course that you had no part in the development of, or designing, or building. You have one course to play the rest of your life. What is it? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know that you, that you had no part in. Yeah, it can't be one. It can't be one of anything that you had involvement in, or the other guy sitting next to you either. Yeah. All right. Well. Well. Let's see here. What course did you see? Most up? most of us spend a bunch of time thinking about this. I, I I've realized that architects don't. Yeah, I don't. Hmm. Have to be a short course. We're not hitting it very far anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there was one. It was. It wasn't Hot Springs Country Club because I've worked on that, so I can't say that. You know, it'd be a it'd be a sixty seven hundred yard golf course <laughs> that it's not. It's easy to walk. It has to be easy to walk. Uh, easy answer is St. Andrews. <laughs> hey, I'll take that. Okay. I'll take that. Dave, I thought you might go Prairie Dunes or Just, Old Town. Well, how about well Prairie Dunes? I had a part of an old town. I had a part of. So I, oh, that's right. That's see, right. No, see, you I took, disqualified you myself. Took away. Uh, there you go. So maybe we'll just go with St. Andrews. How's that? Well, that's yeah. my answer anyway. Okay. I, hey, I'm, guys, this was fun. I, I know. Uh, I know. I've cut into your day, but I really appreciate you guys sitting down with me today. No, Derek. Thanks. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll go back out and. Well, it's fun, and uh, you can edit that any way you want. <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need to. You guys were great. I can't wait to see the uh, the short course up at Cabot. I'll be up there as soon as I can. All right. Okay, Derek. Thank you. Cheers, great. guys. Thanks. All right, there it is. Two of the legends of golf course design and construction, Dave Axland and Rod Whitman. Dave said that he'd been up on site for a number of days with Keith Cutton working, but it had been trying to work, I should say, but it had been raining and, and the weather was horrible and they couldn't get anything done. And this, the day we recorded this was the first clear day they had and they spent the whole morning talking to me. They said they could do 30 minutes, but I, I think I got them on the hook for about 45 or 50. So I want to thank those guys a lot for their time um, cutting into the design process of the short course at Cabot Links. If the course doesn't turn out to your liking, maybe you can blame me for <laughs> diverting their attention for a little while that was fun that was a rare treat and a rare chance to get both of those guys together they go back a long way and their combined expertise in golf construction and golf design is really unparalleled if you add that together i mean it's staggering what these guys know where they've been the projects they've worked on it's truly historical which kind of brings up an interesting point about that interview. I, I think they were sort of annoyed by my uh, retrospective historical questioning and, and asking them to put their careers and, and their contributions to architecture in context. But it's something I felt kind of compelled to try to address. I, I, I said it in the McKellar story uh, when I interviewed Bill Corr about regarding Dave Axlin. And, and Bill said, it, it was his quote, he said, you know, whether you put any stock in golf course rankings or not, to the extent that the core Crenshaw courses appear on that list, he says, you can go right down one of those ranking lists and track Dave Axlin's career right down through one of those rankings. 
which just shows you the influence that he's had on golf course design. He's been uh, front and center at some of the greatest modern creations, working with Corin Crenshaw and Rod Whitman. The same goes for him. Cabot Links is a you know a top fifty world golf course. Um, so it would be you know a dereliction of duty for me not to try to ask questions and to get uh, sort of an inward look to see how they view themselves and their products and their careers and their output, but. Maybe it's it's the job for other people to comment on, which I'm I'm happy to do. Their stuff's brilliant. So once again, thanks to Dave. Thanks to Rod. They didn't have to do that. It was a rare treat to get them together. If you haven't yet, I'm I'm sure most of you do, go to TalkingGolf.com. That's your portal to uh, what I think are some of the best, if not the very best, golf podcasts available. You can find the State of the Game podcast there with Rod Morey, Jeff Shackelford, and Michael Clayton. The IC Golf Podcast with Rod Morey and a variety of guests, including Adrian Logue, as well as the Talking Golf Podcast with Connor Lewis. While you're there, go to feedtheball.com, go to the podcast button, and look at some of the past episodes. Uh, if maybe you missed one, maybe you want to re listen to one, they're all on the website. They're also on iTunes. Search for Feed the Ball. While you're on iTunes, go ahead and give the podcast a star rating and a review. You can always follow me and find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Feed the Ball. A shout out to our friend Keith Cutton, who's up there working in Cabot with Rod and Dave. Thanks to the Sundogs for the music. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. And until we get a chance to do this again, adios. Adios.